Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. Let's read the word this morning. We're going to read 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that in the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he, meaning God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But through our outer man, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentarily, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary or temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, Lord God. We thank you, God, that you are a God of hope, that you have our future, that you know all things, Lord God. And so we do not, and we trust you, Lord, and we learn to lean to you. And sometimes that's hard, God. Sometimes we want to do it ourselves. Sometimes we want to be on our own. But Lord God, this morning we're crying out to you and saying we are yours and you are ours. And we bless you this morning and we praise you, Lord God. And we ask that you speak to our minds this morning. That you speak to our hearts this morning. That you encourage us. That you give us a word that we may hold on to, Lord God. That will save us in our time of need. And so we bless you this morning with all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me now, if you will, to Romans 5. Romans 5. Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Amen. God's word is good. It's life. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope. I want you to hear the word hope today. When you see hope, put it in your heart today. And we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. Say saved. From the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. The Bible teaches that God is a reconciler, that he chooses to reconcile you. The whole purpose of Jesus Christ is to reconcile you to him. And people look at that in a, in a strange way. The Bible says it's foolishness to those who do not believe because they don't understand that through the cross, he's reconciling us. Amen? Verse 2, look at verse 2. It says, we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. We exalt in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. That sounds odd. How many of you woke up this morning and said, I want to have some tribulations and I plan to exalt in them? <laughs> I don't think so. But Paul is teaching to exalt in your tribulations. Notice he doesn't say for them. He's not foolish. He doesn't say exalt for your tribulations. He says to exalt in your tribulations. How many of you know Satan does not have the last word? God does. Amen. Pastor Carl taught last night at the orchard in Philippians how Paul rejoices. He is beaten and he's thrown into prison and yet he rejoices. He exalts in his tribulation. He is not in prison exalting for it. He is exalting in it. He's beaten, thrown in prison, but yet he rejoices. And Paul teaches us to exalt in our tribulations. And he says to cry out to Jesus. And he goes on to teach us that because tribulations, so we ask this question, well, why would you ever do that? And he teaches because tribulations bring about perseverance. Have some of you persevered? Perseverance, though, brings proven character. And proven character brings hope. Verse 5 says, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now listen, don't just read that and let that go in one ear and out the other. Let's read that again. 
And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The problem, though, is that right now there seems to be a a severe pandemic in our land. And no, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about a virus. I'm talking about hopelessness. I'm referring to an entire world that seems to have an ever-increasing amount of hopelessness. Have you noticed it? People are hopeless. They're void of hope. They're without hope. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the following stats are for 2019, by the way. Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States. Claiming the lives of over 47,500 people. It was the second leading cause of death of individuals. Now get this. Between the ages of 10 and 34. They have their whole life ahead of them. Yet they feel hopeless. We're in a land that seems to offer no hope anymore. In 2019, there were nearly two and a half times as many suicides as there was homicides. You see the news and you see there was a killing or there was a murder, there was a homicide. We don't hear much about suicide because it's a very painful thing for families. We try to keep it quiet, but it's serious. It's serious business. It's a hopeless situation. The suicide rate in the United States, now get this. There's a lot of reasons why. A lot of people would offer a lot of reasons why this is happening. But the main reason is that they don't have Christ. Let's get it cut right to the chase there. It's simple. The suicide rate in the United States from 1999 to 2018, so 19 years, increased 35.2%. Increased 35% in our nation. Hopelessness. People are without hope. They're void of hope. Last night at the orchard, let me tell you, if you're missing it, you're missing it. That's all I can say. I don't know. Maybe I just love this place so much I want to be here. But last night at the orchard Bible study, we got to meet a man from Florida named Tony Vincent. Tony is a longtime friend of Pastor Carl Vincent, but he's no relation except He has a friendship with him and has known him for a long time. Tony was a youth pastor for Pastor Carl when Pastor Carl was the senior pastor of Northeast Liberty Church in Pensacola, Florida. Pastor Carl talked last night, like I said, in Philippians about the hope of Christ. And so he had Tony come up and share his story. It was an awesome story. And I'd like to share that with you this morning. I'd also like to encourage you, that'll be on online that you can hear it personally from him and he'll do a lot better job of telling his own story than I ever can but I thought it was profound and I thought you needed to hear it this morning he grew up in church his parents were churched he gave his life to Christ when he was in the 11th grade he testified that his older brother had come to know the Lord and was a carpenter and he worked with him for a year and he saw the change in his brother how do you witness when people see the change in you he saw the change in his brother 
And so he came to the altar. He says he can't remember what the pastor said or what was being taught that night. He only knows that something came upon him and he left the pew and he hit his knees at the altar and he gave his life to Christ in the 11th grade. He didn't know what to do, so he went to one of the pastors at the church and said, may I be a Sunday school teacher? I'm 17 years old. I love the Lord and I want to be a Sunday school teacher. So the pastor at that time, not Pastor Carl, but at the church he was tending, the regular Liberty Church in Florida said, well, you know, we do have someone leaving next week for first graders. Would you like to do that? And he said, well, I don't know. I've never done anything like that before, but he did. And he served. And he served as a Sunday school teacher. And he, and he kind of worked his way up the ranks, if you want to say it that way. I don't believe it's that way. Because uh, doing children's ministry myself, I love the first graders because they can potty themselves at that point. <laughs> and so he does, he, he works with maybe the older grades and then he gets up and he works with the youth and he becomes a, a youth pastor. But he goes on to Bible college and he wants to become a missionary. So he goes to Bible college to study to be a missionary. And he ended up not going abroad to the mission field, but rather he became a youth pastor. In fact, the lead pastor came to him and said, hey, there's another church that's starting in northeast Pensacola, and they're looking for a youth pastor, and I'd like you to go. And it was quite a surprise to him, but he did. And guess who he met there? Pastor Carl Vincent. You know Pastor Carl. If you don't, you need to get to know him. And you could do that here at the orchard. Amen? He goes on to be a youth pastor. He married his college sweetheart, and they had six boys. Some of you who have three or four kids about to pull your hair out, they had six boys. He testified that everything looked good on the outside, but on the inside, it was not good. He was broken. Things weren't right. Can you relate? We have a whole culture now that wants it to look good on the outside while we rot on the inside. And that brokenness led him to some bad decisions and some bad behavior. And eventually that led to his wife telling him that she didn't love him anymore and that she didn't think she could ever love him again. So at this, Tony began to make even worse decisions. And he left and he was without a home and he was basically living in the streets. And he made a confession that that left him without hope. He had gotten to a place where he was hopeless. He had took his eyes off Christ. He began to live the life that he wanted to, that he thought was good, and now he is hopeless. Hopelessness, without hope. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Are you looking for hope this morning? Perhaps it's found in the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Hope. Hope is not just wishful thinking. Even for Christians, we can get in a, a habit of, or we can tend to look at hope as a, as a subjective attitude or perhaps even positive thinking. 
There's a few pastors who make their way today because they do a lot of positive thinking and people are drawn to that. And who would it be? Nobody wants to be around anybody negative. But that's not our hope. There's a different hope. It's not positive thinking. It's not just looking on the bright side. These things are, are not hope. Hope is not a guarantee that bad things will not happen. Rather, it's an assurance that God is with us no matter what. We experienced that. Alan shared last week even that the motto, hey, if you have your health, you have everything. But he found out that's not true. If you're without hope and you're hopeless and you take your eyes off Christ, you have nothing, the Bible says. It's the assurance that God is with us no matter what. Hope, as it is defined in Scripture, is much more robust than just a wish. It carries the idea of delayed but guaranteed fulfillment. Listen, delayed but guaranteed fulfillment. When you rest in Christ and what He has for you, it is a delayed but guaranteed fulfillment. It carries the idea that it's always going to be fulfilled. It is the kind of assurance that something set in motion by God will in due time come to fruition. The Bible uses examples such as a farmer that sows in hope and they, and they hope that the seed, though, though it's buried and, and put in the ground, that it will produce a sure crop. Similarly, scriptures ground the concept of hope in the nature of, listen, if you're writing stuff down, write this, who God is, what God has done, and what God has promised. And let me say that again. Who God is, what God has done, and what God has promised. Hope comes from God. The Apostle Paul describes God as the God of hope. The word hope is used 85 times in the New Testament. Hope provides the foundation for faith. The Bible says before we find faith, we must find hope. That's scripture. And I say, not the Lord, but hope and faith are siblings. They are kindred to one another. Hope is the conviction that God has gone before us, is always present with us, and will never leave us. He is sovereign over us and has eternal plans for us. And not just us, but all of His creation. Hope is grounded in God's promises. We read earlier, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11, that we are afflicted, but not crushed. Have you been afflicted, but not crushed? Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, I love this one, but not abandoned. You're not abandoned. God has never abandoned us. He does not abandon His people. We've been struck down but we're not destroyed. And these are promises from God this morning to us. Romans 5, 3, 4, and 5 that we read. Tribulations bring perseverance. Perseverance brings proven character, and proven character brings hope, and hope does not disappoint. By the way, I didn't finish telling you a few moments ago about the testimony last night from Tony Vincent. <clears throat> If you remember, I told you his wife left him and he continued in making poor decisions. 
that continued to leave him in a state of hopelessness. Well, how many of you know when you're in a state of hopelessness, you can make some pretty stupid decisions and some pretty poor decisions? So Tony said he had this idea come to his mind that he would rob a bank. He decided he would rob a bank, and he did. And he talked about he didn't even know how to rob a bank. He didn't know how to go about it. But he went into the teller, and he took a note and said, I'm robbing the bank. And she looked at him as if to say, are you serious? And he said, yes, I'm serious. And he goes on to tell her, do not give me a bag that's going to blow up on me before I get out the door. Just put a bunch of cash on the, on the table here, on the counter. And she does so, and he grabs the cash, and he says he gets to the door, and all he can think is, I just robbed the bank. I better run. And he talks about him running, and he ran, I guess, several blocks to where his car was parked, and he jumped in his car. And he thought, oh, Lord, I'm going to get caught. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to get caught. And he gets to his car, and he gets in his car, and guess what? He gets away. And a week or two goes by, and he's constantly looking over his shoulder. How many of you know the Bible says sin is crouching at the door? It's, it's, it's always there waiting for you. You're looking over your shoulder. You know it, too. You know it when you have a conviction and you've done something wrong in your life, and God's trying to set it right. And obviously, Robin Bank has to be way up there. And he is running around. And he gets on an interstate. And he tells that he is riding. And next thing you know, a state trooper comes up for, behind him and follows him for 30 minutes. And he is in pure panic, knowing that he is getting ready to get caught. And then the trooper takes an exit and pulls off the highway. And he described that moment because he believes he heard from the Lord say, I know where you are. You're not running from me. So he decided to turn himself in. Long story short, he went before a judge and he pled guilty. He told her his story. And she said, we got to take a recess. I have to process what you've just told me. He wasn't supposed to plead guilty. He was supposed to just go in and, and have a no plea. He decided not to have a jury. But when he was faced with the fact, and they said, how do you plead? His heart was telling him he was guilty, and he pled guilty. Do you get it? We're guilty before the Lord. We have to plead guilty to be reconciled. Pastor Carl's been teaching that there's, there's a breaking before there's a breakthrough. So he told her her story. She takes a recess. She comes back in and she says, I've never heard anything quite like this before that you've turned yourself in and you've come in here and pled guilty. People don't usually do that. And so she gave him a light sentence of time served plus only two and a half years. He never said what he was facing, but robbing a bank is a pretty serious offense. And my guess would have been 20, 30 years. And he got two and a half years in prison. And he talked about the time when he was in prison. And they would ask him, what are you in here for? And he said, well, I robbed a bank. And they would go, oh, my gosh, you'll be here all your life. And no, he said, no, I only got two and a half years. And he recognized the grace of God through that process. But while he was in prison, his wife died of a brain tumor, leaving his six boys 
without parents to look after them. And he didn't elaborate or go into detail, but you could tell his heart was broken by the mere fact that he was in jail when his wife passed, and now he has six boys that have no care. He is broken, and he is hopeless. But at this point in his brokenness, he turns back to God. And guess what he finds? He finds hope. And he shared today through the grace of God that four of his six boys have reconciled with him and have forgiven him. And he has asked them for forgiveness and they have forgiven him. But two have not yet. And I love this story because he's pursuing the other two. As he was here from Florida and visiting one in Virginia Beach and visiting with Pastor Carl and Joyce, he is on his way to Portland starting next week to go meet with one of the boys to work on that reconciliation. That's a father's heart. Let me just pause there. If you have children that you're not reconciled with, it's not acceptable. God is a reconciler. He will make a way. Now, the Bible does say you can only be reconciled as much as one would want to be reconciled. But you must do all you can. Are you listening? By the grace of God, four of them have reconciled and forgiven him. And he's working on the other two that he would... uh, Get them to come home as well, so to speak. He is remarried and he's back on track for Jesus. And his testimony last night was not one in here of feeling sorry for himself. He took full responsibility for what he did. He stood before the Lord. He repented. He asked for forgiveness. Pastor Carl had just previously talked about Paul who was a murderer and stood by while they murdered Christians. We all have a past, amen? God has a future for us. He has a living hope. And he got his back, he got his life back on for Christ. We have a living hope also, and his name is Jesus. The hymn writer writes, Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Would like us to read another scripture this morning. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. Today's vernacular, it would say, for those of you in Milton and Milford and Seaford and Georgetown and Dover, Maryland, Portland, wherever you are, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven's In heaven for you. What's he saying? He's saying that God has a place in heaven for you. That this body is perishable, but his eternal life is imperishable. Verse 5, who are protected. Do you want to be protected this morning? Be protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while... If it is necessary, you have been distressed 
by various trials. Let me just throw in there. Sicknesses, breakups, illness, wars, viruses. Verse 7, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly re rejoice with inexpressible and full of glory. With joy inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Is God good? So what's the point? What's the point this morning as we do all this? Who are we and what are we about and what do we do? First of all, let me share with you. If God's moving on your heart and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, don't wait another day. Um, yes, yes, it's eternal. And yes, there's a hell. And yes, you're going to go there if you do not receive him as your Christ. But it's more the yes, he has a life for you. Yes, he has a future for you. Yes, he has a hope for you. Yes, he has more than you can ever imagine. You're not giving up anything. You're gaining everything. point is that we have what the world needs and frankly it's up to us to share it we have the hope of the world we have the answer to hopelessness and his name is Jesus do you know that if someone is in danger and you have the ability and opportunity to help them and you do not help them do you know that you're breaking the law Every state has some variation of this law. It's called the duty to rescue law or the good Samaritan law. We have ex-police officers in here this morning and they'll tell you that. That if you're in a situation and you see someone getting bludgeoned or beaten to death and you do nothing, you are guilty. We see a world that's hopeless. We do nothing God has called us to do something. What is that something? Well, it's many things. You definitely have a call. You have a call on your life. But if nothing else, it's to live for Christ so that people may see and be drawn to him. The Bible teaches that if Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. It's that simple. You lift him up in your life. May I say to you today that we have a duty to rescue. The world is dying of hopelessness. But we have hope. We have a living hope. I want to encourage you this morning that God is our hope. The things he's done, the things he's shown, and the things he's promised are enough for us to have hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we give you all the glory this morning. We praise your holy name, O oh God. We lift your name today, God. Lord, we know that your word is full of hope. We see how you have rescued those all throughout history, Lord God. And Lord, we see those also who were martyred or, or fell ill to death. And we in our eyes have a tendency to see that that's hopeless. But Lord, it's not. You have a plan. You have a plan for eternal life. Your desire is that we live forever with you, Lord God. We bless you this morning and we praise you and we give you glory, Lord 
We're excited that we have the hope and that we can offer the hope to a world that's hurting and dying. So Lord, I pray this morning that you sober our minds, that we not take this lightly, that we make a difference. That starting even today, Lord God, that we pursue you with a vigor. We be filled with the Holy Spirit to help us have the power to execute this life and carry it out, Lord God, for the goodness of the kingdom of God, that we may bring hope to this hurting and dying world. Lord, we see a world at war. We pray for all of those involved, Lord God. It's very complex. And the reality of it is we can't really comprehend or understand it, but we know this. There is evil and there is sin, but you have the solution to it all. And you sent your son to die for all of us. And we bless you this morning, God, and we give you all the glory, praise, and honor. And we give these things in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people who agreed with this prayer said, Amen, amen. amen. We'll bless you this morning. You're dismissed. Have a great day. Thank you for coming. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.